Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. good to be with you and just to gather, to sing, to worship, and having this opportunity to open God's Word and study together. What a blessing it is indeed. So at this time, I'd like to invite each and every one of you, if you have your Bible with you, to get your Bible out, or you can open a Bible app if you have a Bible app with you. But we are going to be in the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi. We're going to be looking at just one verse today. We're going to look at Malachi 3.6, so if you can, you can find that. In addition, if you've got a worship guide on your way in, you can take notes and follow along. If you find that helpful, you can do that, that as well. But today, we are going to conclude our series that we entitled, God Is. And what we have been doing over the last six weeks is we have been studying some of, not all of, but some of the attributes of God. And the reason why we've been doing this is because we desire, deeply desire, to be a people who think rightly about God. We don't want to think about God as our culture might say God is. We don't want to think about God how we might like him to be or our opinion about him might be. We want our thoughts on God to be as close as possible to the actuality of God. And the only way for your thoughts of God to be as close as possible to the actuality of God is you've got to look at and study the Word of God. Because the Word of God, God's Word, the Bible, is the primary place where God has revealed Himself to us. It's where He's revealed His attribute and His characters. You want to know what God is like? You're going to have to read and study the Word of God. And if your thoughts about God do not match the actuality of how God has revealed himself to be to us, then we have to submit our thoughts to him and his word and his revealed word. So that's what we've been doing. We've just been studying God's word where God has revealed his attributes to see we want our thoughts to be as close as possible to the actuality of who he is. And so today we come to um, really just one last attribute. This isn't the last attribute of God, just the last attribute in our study. And so today, the last attribute we're going to look at is this simple attribute, God is unchanging. I'll say that one more time. God is unchanging. Theologically, God, they say God is immutable, meaning God cannot change. He is absolutely and always the same. He is, God is unchanging. All right. Now, I say that, and we may mentally kind of say or agree with that. We say, yeah, yeah, God is unchanging. But the reality is this. This is kind of what we got to kind of struggle against and strain against. The reality is, is that we live in an unchanging world. Every, everything around us is always changing. And so when we say, we declare, God says, I am unchanging, it can be kind of hard 
to grapple with because we, we, we all change. Like, like we all change. Friendships change, looks change, bodies change. We all change. And so, once again, it can be difficult to understand what God means when he says he is unchanging. Um, real quick, this happened to me. Um, maybe this has happened to you. Just, just give you an example. Um, a while back, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, I came across a picture of myself and my wife from, 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 from a long time ago, all right? And so I took this picture from a long time ago and I showed it to a friend that we currently have. It's a friend that knows us and, and, I, and I believe surely knows what we look like. But when I showed them the picture, here's what they said. And I'm not kidding. Once again, maybe it happens to you, it happens to you. But uh, they said, hey, look, I, I see charity there, but who is the dude beside charity, right? And I'm like, come on, man. And they're like, hey, 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 I, I, I recognize her. I recognize her. And I go, well, that's me. And they said this, they said this, they honestly said this, said, if you had not told me that was you, I would never have guessed that is you. And the question is why? Well, because I've changed. We change. Now, I wanted to ask them, I wanted to say, have I changed for the better? But I, I was scared, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know, I don't know. But it's not, listen, it's not just our looks that, that, that change, right? But over time, our views can change. Our, our, our values can change. Our personalities can change. Once again, we can take me as an example. True story. Um, I am told, don't know if this is true, maybe it is. I have been told recently that I am now more grumpier today than I was 10 years ago. <laughs> Grant's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, no. It was, <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but it could be. Because when they told me that, it made me a little bit grumpy, you know? But it's true. We, we change. Technology changes. Everything changes. Everything around, I'm changing. My looks are changing. Personality changing. Technology changing. So when we come and say God changes, we're like, what does that mean? Here's the deal. Scripture says over and over and over again, God is altogether unlike you and I. And God does not change. God never changes. God does not change. And I'm going to tell you on the front end of all of this, I find that very comforting that we serve a God who does not change. That's what we're going to look at today. God doesn't change. Now, real quick, there's a, there's a lot of different verses, verses in the Bible we could study. But I want to look at just one verse where I think we clearly see the glorious attribute of our unchanging God. And it's one, it's one verse, so I think it's altogether helpful for us to study. Let me just read it to you. It's Malachi 3.6. Let me just read our verse. Here's what it says. For I, and this is God speaking, for I, the Lord, once again, the word in, in Hebrew is Yahweh, the living God, the I am that I am, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. All right. It's a short verse, man. It's a, it's a really short verse. But I believe in this short verse, there are at least three eternal glorious truths about the beautiful nature of our unchanging God. And I want us to walk through it. Because even though it may be difficult for us to grasp what it means to be unchanging, because everything around us is, is always changing I think as we study the Word of God, as I've already said, and we submit to it, we will see how glorious it is that our God is unchanging. So let's just walk through this. We're going to walk through it. We're going to take it word by word, all right? The first glorious eternal truth we see about the unchanging nature of our God is this, and I've already said it, but I'll just say it again. God cannot 
change. God cannot change. It cannot be more clear. God says it, first seven words, for I, the Lord, do not change. God does not change. God cannot change at all. God doesn't change. Real quickly, I want to just briefly walk through three things about God that does not change. Scripture affirms, and this verse also concludes that God cannot change, but there's three things about God that cannot change. Let's just walk through it. First thing, God's person cannot be altered. That's the first thing I would say. God's person cannot be altered. That's his nature and his being cannot change. God is infinite. He is not subject to mutation. There has never been a time when he was not, and there will never come a time where he will cease to be. God has never evolved. God has never grown. God has never improved. He is the same today as he will ever be and will have ever, ever be. He cannot change for the better. Why? Because he's perfect. If something's perfect, it cannot change. Because if it changed, that would imply that it wasn't perfect to begin with. God cannot change because he is perfect. Once again, man, it's hard. It's hard to understand this. Every day, you too, I guarantee you this. Every day, almost every day, you wake up and you look at your phone and something needs to be updated and revised. I come to work, my computer, something needs to be updated and revised. I'm going on, I'm telling you. This is bad. For the last six months, my computer says I need to update something. And every day I push snooze, right? It's going to catch up with me, okay? I get it. I understand. But the thing is, that's not God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why does my computer need to be updated? Why does it need to be revised? Because it's not perfect. There's been made an improvement to it. There is a revision that makes it better than it was when I first purchased it. But that's not God. That's not God. He is perfection. He's unaffected by anything outside of himself. He does not deteriorate, and he cannot improve. He's not influenced by the passing of time. There's no, there's no wrinkles up on God's head. God got no gray hair. He don't age. He's timeless. Therefore, he can never diminish. Therefore, his glory will never fade. All right? First, his person. His person cannot be altered, period, all right? But not only that, God's purposes cannot be changed. Oh, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a glorious truth. Once God establishes something, when God says something is going to come to pass, it will most assuredly come to pass. No, no, nothing can hinder the hand of God. And since his ways are perfect, his plans are perfect, nothing can stop it, so his purposes cannot be changed in the slightest way. We got to know that. By the way, I will let you know this. That's one of the greatest attacks on the word of God today and God today. There are um, men and women who would say, I'm a Christian. They're writing books. Some of them teach in seminaries. And they say this kind of, they'll say something like this. They'll read the word of God and they'll say, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what God said 2,000 years ago or or 3,000 years ago. But you know what? Times have changed. And since times have changed, God too has changed. 
And there's all sorts of names for this. They call it open theism or openness theology. You can study it. You can read about it. And you can, if you want to spend some time doing that, you're welcome to do that. But basically, they say something like this. God knows everything that can be known, but he doesn't know really the future or he has decided to not look at the future. So ultimately, God is seeing things unfold as you and I see things unfold, right? And so maybe 2,000, 3,000 years ago, he's like, man, that's bad, man, that's bad stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write some commandments. And he puts the commandments. But then he didn't know all the stuff that's gonna go down. He didn't know all that's gonna happen. He didn't understand all the wickedness in the hearts of men and women. And, and maybe we can redeem ourselves in and of ourselves. He doesn't know. And so we come to this, this time, right? And we, we all so good today. And so God's maybe changed his mind on a few things. Come on. I'll tell you right now, man, a God who doesn't know, not know, know God at all. If there's a God, if God lacks knowledge, then my friend, why have we gathered here today? There's no God at all. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Well, should, oh, you're reading the Bible and God says, I am love. And so you like spending all your time, I'm going to go love my neighbor. And, and your neighbor's unlovely, and, and it's hard to do, but you're doing it, you're doing it, and you're loving your neighbor. Then the Lord, you, you pass away, you stand before the living God, and God says, man, you really loved your neighbor hardcore. And you're like, yeah, you said your love. And God's like, oh, whoa, 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 oh, man, you didn't get the memo. I forgot to tell you in 1987, I had a change of mind, and I decided that that was more of a suggestion, right? I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm kind of into this now. God's like, I just want you to like your neighbor. God don't do that. God's purposes do not change, all right? Not only that, the final thing I would say under this is God's passions cannot be manipulated. And I'll just spend a, a little bit of time on this, not much, but um, God's passions are always perfect, stable, and fair. Our emotions, the things that we do, cannot manipulate him. We, we can't do it. If we could manipulate God, then his Justice would never be accomplished, but you can see the cross of Christ, the, the perfect consistency in the justice and mercy of God. God is, cannot be, he can't be changed, all right? So God cannot be changed. That's the first thing we see in this verse. His person cannot be altered. His purposes cannot be changed. His passions cannot be manipulated. That's, a, that's the first glorious truth that we see in our verse but now I want to move down a little bit on this verse, the middle section, and we're going to see a second eternal truth. We're going to go from this, this, this foundational truth that God can't, can't, can't be changed, and we're going to kind of build upon it. The second eternal truth that we're going to see is God's children benefit. That's important. God's children benefit from the fact that he is unchanging. Let me just read this. We said, for the Lord, for I, the Lord, do not change. Now, check this out, the next part. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, pause. Let's pause right here. Because we're told in this middle section specifically, who are the beneficiaries of the fact that God is unchanging? The text says, you, the children of Jacob. Okay, 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 okay. Um, um, follow my flow here. Follow the, the flow here, all right? Okay, you got this word, therefore. Okay, take that word, therefore. 
The word therefore is a transitional word. It means based upon what was just said, something is going to be accomplished or someone is going to benefit based upon what has just been said. Now, what had just been said? It just been said that God does not change. Therefore, because God does not change, something is going to be accomplished. There will be a benefit and someone will be the beneficiary. And that's what we're, we're, something's going to take place. Now, now, we're not told in this middle section of the text what exactly is going to take place. But in the middle section there of the verse, we are told who are the beneficiaries of the benefit that is going to take place. And we'll get to the benefit in just a moment, the ultimate benefit. But it says, who are the beneficiaries? Who are the, the recipients? Well, it says, the recipients of the benefit that will be revealed are the children of Jacob. Okay, cool, 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 the children of Jacob. All right, all right. Well, who's that? Well, let me just briefly say in a nutshell, the children of Jacob are God's people in the Old Testament. I would say they're Old Testament saints, or we would call them even Old Testament Christians. They are those who have been sovereignly saved by the grace of God. They have been adopted into the family of God. They are sons and daughter of the God most high, all right? And so that's Old Testament Christians, and we can go through it. That applies to New Testament, the children of God, the church, those who have been born again. So he is saying in this verse that the beneficiaries of the fact that God is unchanging is God's people. All right. Okay. That's the flow. That's what he's saying. God does not change. Therefore, God's people, and this is going to give us the benefit in a minute. We're going to the ultimate benefit. All right. We're going to the benefit. What's the benefit? What's the benefit? Okay. We'll get to that. But just real quick, you may think, okay, what might be some of the benefits? Right. What, what could possibly be some of the benefits for the born-again man and woman from the fact that God does not change? All right. Well, there's many. Now, this is a, a doctrine that you can find all through the Bible, but before we get to what our Scripture says is the supreme benefit... I want us to briefly look at what are some of the other benefits. What are some of the benefits that you and I receive because God is unchanging? I'm going to look at a few extra texts, but I want you to see this because it's important. First benefit. First benefit that a born-again man and woman has is this. His word will not change. Oh, come on. That's a benefit. That's a benefit. The Bible's unchanging. Oh, man, that helps me sleep better at night, right? It gives me assurance. It gives me confidence because it means when things appear. Listen, when things appear in my life to be dark, maybe things in my life appear, appear to be kind of hopeless. Here's what you got to do. Here's what I do. God is unchanging, so here's what I do. Maybe before I go to bed, I've got a kind of anxiety or something like this. Here's what I do. Because I know God is unchanging. His word does not change. What I do is I think about a time in my past when things were dark, when things were hopeless, and then I remember that God in the past helped me, rescued me, redeemed me, restored me, carried me, sustained me. Hey, hey, listen. So that means today, if he is unchanging here, how much more would he not help me now? He does. He does. What a benefit. What a benefit. What a benefit knowing that God's word does not change. Um, quick story about remembering the past that helps you with assurance 
today. Um, this is from this happened to me, and it it, it applies in part, I think. But um, last summer, okay, I got a buddy. I got a buddy that I grew up with in Forney, Texas. That's where I'm from. You can Google it. F O R N E Y. We're the Jackrabbits. All right. My next door neighbor, when I was five years old, we grew up together from kindergarten. We graduated and high school together and all that. Good friend and. Last summer, he, he calls me up. He goes, man, he has four kids. He's like, we're going to go to Washington, D.C. And I go, great. He goes, about halfway is Chattanooga, Tennessee, and what I want to do is we're going to spend the night in Chattanooga, and I'd like to hang out with you. I said, cool. So my buddy comes in. He stays at a hotel right here. He calls me up, and me and my family, we go over there, and we grab them, and we go get tacos because that's what friends do. You eat tacos together, all right? what friends do. So, so we're eating the tacos together, a couple of hours pass, and we are just, what we do, we're just sharing stories, sharing stories from the past, right? Sharing these stories. Now, here's where it gets interesting. As we're sharing the stories from the past, one of his kids said something like this, Dad, do you remember the story when you and Travis did this? And I'm like, well, that's interesting, because that kid was not there at that time. How does he know what happened then? How can he remember what I was like then? Well, it just so happens that his father had been sharing with him the stories from our past, all right? And so it kind of works out like this. So he heard the stories, and now that young man was seeing me today. And he could see that from the stories of yesterday, there was some similarities to the way that I am today. Not the way I look, not the way I look, but my character, right? My disposition was similar to the stories he had heard, and that would lead to some assurance of what I might be like in the future, right? So he heard the past stories, he saw me present, and that gives assurance to what I might be like in the future. Now, once again, it breaks down because I'm just a dude, right? And I'm going to be all kind of messed up. But here's the thing, God's not. So when God says, I am the same, right? That's what he says, I am the, the, the same, today, tomorrow, and he's the same. We can think upon him and have confidence today that he will be the same in the future. What a benefit. What a benefit. I benefit from that, and you do too. So, so that's the first benefit I think we have because God is unchanging. There's a second benefit I think we learn from the word of God is this. His promises will not be broken. What a benefit. Come on, what a benefit. Um, Hebrews 6.18 says it like this. It is impossible for God to lie. Church, God can't lie. God does not lie. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. That's our anchor. That's a benefit. His promises. His promises are assuredly, are, are assured they're going to take place. He cannot not lie. Now in the church, we love to talk about the promises of God. And they're so sweet. I love the promises of God. You can read books about the promises of God. Some of you may even write down the promises of God. But I'm telling you right now, if for one moment I thought that God could change one of his promises, if for one moment I thought that God could maybe, um, I don't know, add an extra word to it or take a word away from it, if I thought for one moment that those promises were not assured, then the Bible would have no worth at all. It would have no value at, at all. But praise God. The benefit of an unchanging God is that his promises cannot be broken. The gospel is not yes and no. 
promising one thing today and then taking it away tomorrow. The gospel is yes, yes to the glory of God. The same, hey, the same sweet promises you had yesterday, you got those same sweet promises today, you're gonna have those same sweet promises tomorrow. And then there's one final, I think, um, benefit from the steadfastness or the, 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 um, the unchanging nature of God. And I love this. His love is not fickle. Come on. Is that not glorious? That, that, that our God is unchanging? Um, Jeremiah 31.3 says it this way. I, that's God, have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. God's love does not change. What a benefit. Hey, church, I can tell you from personal experience, and I can tell you because I've met with some people from our church, and some of you can relate to this as well, but one of the most devastating things in life is to set your love on someone who returns that love in a fickle way. It's devastating. It's devastating. If you're loving someone whose definition of love changes, loving someone who has some sort of rule book that you don't have and you're walking on eggshells, you're doing everything you can to try to please them, it's devastating. It scars you. It is so difficult because you don't know how to love them. You don't know how to receive love from them. You jump through hoops, but here's the deal. Praise God. God doesn't change. You do not have a fickle God. Amen. You don't have a fickle God. You don't, you don't, man, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about coming home and, and worrying about maybe God flying off the handle mad at you because you did something that you don't even remember doing. You don't have to, because he's not fickle. He loves you. He is unchanging. You didn't have to earn it. You cannot lose it. He is sovereign, unchanging. He has set his affections on you. Not because you're good, because you're not. It's because he's good. So those are three glorious benefits. But, but we haven't got to the last section of this, the last third of this one verse. And in the last part of this one verse, we are given another benefit. It is, I think, the grand benefit that um, supersedes all these other benefits. Third eternal truth we see about the unchanging nature of God is this. God does not consume. Let me just read the verse. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, here's the recipients, O children of Jacob, here's the benefit, are not consumed. Wow. Now that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great benefit. It's kind of uncomfortable to talk about. But, but it's good news, is it not? Like, like last time I heard, when peop, if people are asked, who would like to be consumed, ain't nobody saying, choose me, choose me. We don't want to be consumed, so it's good news because God is unchanging. You need not be consumed. Now, when we think about consumed, well, I think there's two ways to think about consumed. Primarily, we think about it this way, and I'll talk about this. We think about consumed in hell. That's what we think about consumed in hell, all right? That's the primary way. When, when, when the Bible says you're not consumed, then I'm not consumed in hell, and, 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 and that's okay because it's true. It's true. If it's not, if it was not for God's unchanging love, his unchanging mercy, his graciousness, we would all be consumed in hell. 
because every one of us deserves damnation. And once again, that is not, that is not a popular thing to say. But nonetheless, it's true. Hey, listen, I pray, dude, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I've said it before, I'll say it many more times, I praise God that some dude got up, got up in my grill and said, hey, you're a sinner. If you don't repent and believe, you're gonna burn in hell. Like, I don't like that, it's true. Listen, I don't like that broccoli's healthy for me, but it's true, right? And you eat it, it's true. And it's true, I'm a sinner. Apart from the cross of Christ and me repenting and believing, I would be consumed in hell, right? It's true. And that's primarily how we think about it, and it's true. But I think there's another aspect, and I want to briefly talk about that too. And I think it could also be, and it is, consumed in this world. And you say, what does that mean? What does it mean to be consumed in the world? Well, here's what I know about myself. If it was not for the unchanging nature of God, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would be consumed by the passion of my flesh, by the sins of my heart, and by the cares of this world. When I think of all the sins I have committed, when I think about all the wicked thoughts that go across this little imagination, I would have been consumed by the world and myself a long time ago. After all, isn't Mr. Self one of our greatest enemies? Isn't Mr. Self one of the greatest enemies to the Christian? Left to my own devices, I have no hope, but praise God, a strong arm has saved me. God doesn't change. And because of his unchanging nature, I am not consumed. I'm not consumed in eternity, separated in hell and eternal damnation. And I'm, I got benefits even today. I'm not consumed by the world. I've got God the Spirit in me. So church, God is unchanging. How glorious is that? So let's just go back real quick. Let me read the verse one final time. This is the last attribute in our series. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Hey guys, people change. You can take a picture of me today, put it away and come back to it in 20 years and you might not recognize me. Our views change. True story, there was a time in my life when I didn't like guacamole. You maybe one day, one day you will see the light, my friend. But I'm telling you, <laughs> I have changed. My, my, my tastes have changed. Praise God. It's okay if you don't like guacamole. It's all good. Te te yeah, technology changes, right? Technology changes. Things need to upgrade. But church, God doesn't change. God does not change. And that's comforting. It's comforting. It's comforting. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. 
We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.